0: In the spring of 1984, in the back of the classroom in the high school, room number six, a budding romance began between my wife and I as juniors in high school. You send notes back and forth in class and uh, try to pay attention enough to do well on the test. But as that uh, relationship began, Back in the 80s, you would call each other. After being at school, they would maybe call each other at night. You you all remember that long cord that you had on the phone that hung on the wall? And it kind of wound up, and you could take that phone and go halfway across the house to have some quiet time to talk to your girlfriend. Well, you know, you you would think that I would know what to say. But I'm telling you, I was scared to death to talk to her. And my concern was, what would I say to her, you know, for talking on the phone? So I literally wrote a, a three-by-five card. May have been four-by-six. A, B, C, D. I skipped K, all right? You'll get that later. Um, and uh, and I, I literally remember standing in my parents' living room, having written A, B, C, D, and just thinking A, B gave me something to talk about, and it gave me a direction for that conversation. You know, you say, well, that was silly. Yeah, it probably was, but it kept me going, and I'm married to her, so that worked for me. You know, when, you, uh, when you're going to be with somebody for a while, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes, you know, you'd think I'd just a big blabbermouth, but sometimes I get concerned, do I have something to talk about for that time that I'm going to be with them? Anybody... Ever get like that, you wonder? Anybody ever wrote that alphabet thing like I did? Nobody. All right, I see. Well, it worked for me. You know, uh, we talked about our church pictorial prayer directory and the responsibility that we have to pray for each other. Uh, Jacob mentioned last Sunday when we were distributing that, there's about 300 names in there. There's, There's 281 individuals or family units in there. And that you could take maybe a page a day and pray through that directory for a month. But the question is, what are you going to say about those people? You know, if you're going to get past the bless Sister Sally, you know, what are you going to say about that? And tonight I wanted to take some time for us to just consider what we could pray for each other in our church family. My my simple point from the Word of God is this, that we can cultivate a caring church family serving Christ together. We can cultivate a caring church family when we pray for each other, every member, regularly. And that's my hope tonight, to show you from the Word of God that we can cultivate a caring church family, that we're in it together, serving Christ together, when we would pray for each other, every member, Regularly, and we can use the word of God to guide us in that. So let's think about this for just a second. What is it that we would really love to see in our church family? I'm going to take you to a couple different passages and then settle into 2 Thessalonians 1 that I mentioned this morning. But would you take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians 1? And again, just a few passages that I just wrote in my notes introductory comments, which it may be a little longer than the whole body of the sermon. But, for, but if you look at Philippians chapter one, I think about this verse as, as my desire for our church family. And it kind of motivates what, what I do and my hope and even that we would take the time to do a pictorial prayer directory. Philippians chapter one. Verse 27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come, whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Wouldn't you love to see our church become this kind of church? The church that's described in Philippians 1, 27 and 28. A church that is striving together to see the gospel spread to more and more people in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our city in our workplace. That we would be united for the gospel to see God do an amazing work for his glory and by his grace. That we as a church would be standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, seeking to do God's work. That's my hope. That's my prayer. And I think you would echo those same kind of thoughts. And and I want us to see tonight, as we look at just a couple of passages that ramp into the passage we'll settle down in for just a few moments, that that prayer is such an important part of us living together, striving together in one spirit, with one mind, with one purpose to see God's glory advanced through the gospel in our area, in our community, in our world for Christ. I think that prayer is one of the ingredients to see this unity and single-mindedness become a reality in our church. And I've seen it in my life personally. I mean, I can think of ways even this year that God has begun doing that in my life through prayer week and what we've learned afterward. And and I can think of other instances where God is changing me. This is hard to believe. Uh, You'd think I'm loving and just naturally so sweet honey drips right out of me, okay? But sometimes you're like this with people, okay? And God is changing me by prayer that I would, with one spirit, with one, with one faith, see God work. And so I share Philippians 1 as, as, as my hope and my prayer and, and, and the thing that I'm seeking to pursue. Second, let's see, what does God think is important if we're to do God's work God's way? We first of all see kind of the goal in Philippians 1, 27, 28. How do we get there? How does the church get there to that kind of work, to do God's work in God's way. We need to give ourselves to praying for each other and our church family. Turn with me, if you will, over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul sends Timothy to the church to set things in order, to provide basics that this church might be organized effectively. And they were together do the work that God has called them to do there. Okay, and, and Paul sends Timothy to organize and to lead and to do this work. Chapter 1 is all about the, the warning that's there of false teachers, Paul's testimony of God's grace. And it ends in chapter 1 where Paul charges Timothy in verse 18, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, And he, and he gives them this command, verse 19, keep faith and a good conscience. He says, do the work God's way. Chapter two, verse one starts then with a priority. And let me ask you, what is the priority in chapter two, verse one? Is it a program? Is it some neat trick or something hot off the press? Look what it says, and I'll read verses 1 through 8. It says, first of all, having said these things, now verse 1 says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. If God was to change this church and to make them into the body he wanted them to be, we see in this passage, in these eight verses, that a priority for them was prayer. That they would pray for the church and pray for those who needed to know Christ. Prayer was a priority, and and we just I just noted several things about this passage, and and just consider some of these things. If, If we're to really embrace prayer as a way for us to, with one spirit, with one faith, strive to see God do a work for his glory in our city, in our community, then you really have to see the priority and the significance of prayer. Prayer is important. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do a work through prayer in our body? It was such a joy this morning in our Sunday school class to to have somebody give a testimony of, of a prayer, a specific prayer request that we offered to God last week, and God heard and answered that prayer. We're praying for Pastor Dorn this week. He preached two funeral sermons. And if you were at those funerals, you know that God heard and answered our prayer by a clear, powerful witness of the gospel. And the hope that we have in there—it's not just perfunctory. Prayer is important in our in our church life, and we pray for our missionaries. We pray for lots of things. I'm going to tell you tonight: we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for every member of our church, because God works through prayer. He says in verse one: first of all, it's a priority. You have to see the need for the need to pray and pray for everyone. He says at the end. Be, What's he saying in verse 1? Be made on behalf of who? All men. Now He he goes into government officials and kings in verse 2, and and we just understand that that's some of what he's pointing at here in this passage, but it's, it's all believers in the church. We must pray for each other. And I think a pictorial prayer directory helps to give us a structure for that. It helps you to know who's in the family and who you can pray for, but it's for all men, not just certain people. Our Wednesday prayer update tends to focus on whom? Sick, suffering, special circumstances. We try to highlight in there the spiritual nature of somebody's physical suffering. Pray for them in God's mercy to give them their health back, but pray for them to grow through this trial. Pray for, we mentioned the teens going to camp. Pray for, we pray for that. Pastor, as he's traveling and speaking. What's interesting to me is we're going to look at Second Thessalonians. First and second Thessalonians, written to people who were suffering. You know the story of Thessalonica? I mean, they go down there, they preach the gospel, people hear it, and they turn to Christ. And their Jewish family and friends are like, what? Oh, this is not good. And they persecute the church at Thessalonica. I mean, they're suffering for the gospel. You know what's interesting? In all Paul's prayers for them, he never says, and and God, give them freedom, (laughs) Yeah, Help the, the persecution to stop. Okay? Not a bad thing to pray for that. We ask for God's mercy in that, but it's always in those prayers, strengthen them, establish them, help them to grow through their trials. And, and we just simply say, looking at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8, we have to remember that we pray for everyone, not just the ones that easily come to mind. Okay, And, and we want to help you to do that. We want to help each of us to do that. You have to see the power in prayer that God can change a life through those who preach. Verse 1 through 8, Paul says, God's not willing that any should perish, so pray for the word to be powerful and God can change the heart. Do you know that? God can change the heart. So many of us in this room are praying for people that we know and love who aren't worshiping God. And what's the answer to that? God, give them life. Holy Spirit, use your word. And the Spirit uses what? The Word preached. So God, give power, give life. You have to see the requirements of prayer in this passage. We pray with clean hands and a pure heart. Holy hands speak of a pure life. We think of even Psalm 24, verse 4. Who, has, who, who can ascend to the holy hill? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. So that God, God requires us. And, and, and guys, men... Let me just challenge you with this passage. Who is the lead in this kind of prayer? Verse 8 says, who's the lead? Men. Okay, verse 8, therefore I want the men in every place. Now, aren't you thankful for a praying mom? I am. Okay. Our women pray, and, and that's, it's really saying everyone. Everyone prays. But who's to take the lead? We are, guys. And we ought to be leaders in prayer in our congregation. Well, all these things are simply trying to say this. There's a goal, and that is Philippians 1, 27, 28, that we'd be together in one mind, one spirit, seeking to see the gospel advance. What's the pathway to that? First, 1 Timothy 2 says it's through prayer that God changes the heart. Okay, you with me so far? Again, this is just the introduction. Are you all right with that? You're still not sure? All right, go with me to James chapter 4, because James 4 is going to show us what what is the, the toxin or what is it the obstacle sometimes that keeps us from having unity in our church. To having that Philippians 1, 27, 28. Look, if you will, at James chapter 4. Boy, this one, I'm just trying to be a little bit transparent with you tonight. My wife worries about that, by the way. She says, not too transparent. All right, I'll try not to be too transparent. But you know, I can look at points in my life when I'm in the middle of this with people. You ever been in that with people? And God uses a passage like this to tell me what the issue is, okay? I'm not having that Philippians 1, 27, 28 mindset. What's it say in James 4, the first few verses? It says, what is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? This is believers. Okay? this is." A scattered church, but this is the church. These are believers that are having quarrels and conflicts among you. Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And I just simply say, you have to see you know, what's one of the biggest problems when, when the work isn't being done in a unified way. I, I would suggest to you that we don't experience the one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel unity in the church, because the issue is really partly connected to our prayer life. Our prayer life. We don't pray. And why, why aren't they praying here? You ever been in this situation? You're fussing at your spouse or you're fussing at your kids, you know, or fussing at somebody. Are you wanting to pray? No. I got this one, God. I think that the wrath of man produces the righteousness of God. We don't pray. And then what does he say? He says, you pray, but you pray with with wrong motives that you may spend it on your own pleasure. So really a, a root of us having this conflict is because we're not praying. Because we are praying but we're praying what kind of prayers? Selfish prayers. Okay? We're praying the prayers of, you know, God help them <laughs> to change because I don't need to change. Okay? And that's not the right kind of prayers. It's a in James 4 it's it's, it's what I want. We don't pray probably because we don't want to or think we don't need to pray. We pray with selfish motives to get what we want, even if it hurts somebody else. So we we can we're, we're in trouble in our prayer life because we're, we're selfish. Okay, and and I think this passage just helps us to see that. Let me show you one more passage. And thanks for going along with me. We we start in Philippians one. We go to Philippians two, kind of come full circle. Okay, you say, well Tracy, if I got these quarrels and conflicts, and I'm not praying like I ought to. I'm praying with selfish motives. What's the answer? How do you get your prayer, prayer life straightened out? How do we get straightened down to this, this standing firm together with one spirit and, and, and one faith? Well, we go back to Philippians and, and look at Philippians chapter 2. Okay, now remember, all right, we just were in Philippians 1, 27, 28, talked about that. Striving together. He um, talked about it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign to your opponents of their destruction. Verse 29 of chapter 1 talks about us having to suffer potentially f- for Christ. Verse 30 says the same thing. And then right on the heels of that, Therefore, hey, therefore, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with the humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest but also for the interests of others. Okay? Lots of ways we can apply this. How does this apply in our prayer life? Okay. Who do we tend to pray for first? Me. Okay. Whose desires do I want really most in my prayer? Mine. And I would just suggest to you, suggest to myself, that one of the ways that we can practice Philippians 2, 1 through 4 is in our prayer life, especially verses 3 and 4. When I look at my prayer directory, I can look at people and say, God, help them. As it says here, don't merely look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. Put yourself in their shoes. What is it that, and and just pick a name, right? All right, let's pick a name just for the fun of it. Ah, Matt Pickett. You all know Matt Pickett? Matt, you know, at times just struggles physically. What does he need? God, give him grace. Give him strength in his legs. Help him to be able to get here. Help him to be encouraged. And, and I can put myself, I, I've never experienced all that he's experienced, but I can try to put myself in his shoes and say, what does he need? What are his interests? Not mine first, but his. Okay. And so I simply say those things. Number one, there's a goal. Number two, there's a pathway. It's through prayer. Three, selfish prayer isn't going to get me to that goal. But Philippians 2 says, but if in my prayer I'll put the interests of others more important than myself, that's the way to have one mind and one spirit in prayer. Make sense? Okay. Yeah, long porch. All right. But I think that sets it up. So will you turn with me to the Book of Second Thessalonians, and in Second Thessalonians, really to me, First and Second Thessalonians, but the passage we look at tonight, Second Thessalonians chapter one, it actually answers at least in my life, and I try to convey it to you. What does it look like? What does it look like to put the personal interests of others ahead of me? What does it actually look like? How can I actually pray for the interests of others in prayer? And and Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He wrote two books to them. And, And again, transparency here. I look at some who've taught me these things. Okay, I'm sure they taught me this. When I say Thessalonians, what topic do you usually think of? I say Thessalonians, you probably think of probably something about Christ's return, the rapture, the end times, the day of the Lord, all these things are there, right? You know what I'm finding out as I'm studying Thessalonians, both first and second? You know what Thessalonians is a lot about? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer just saturates the books of first and second Thessalonians. It's amazing. As much as I know about Christ's return and these things that are so clearly taught in Thessalonians. Prayer. Paul's prayer for other believers. Paul praying for them. He's giving a prayer report. He's urging prayer to be made. He's asking for prayer in these eight chapters. All right. So I actually had to go to second Thessalonians. Let's, let's go back to first Thessalonians. Let's just take a quick peruse. And I challenge you in your own personal time with the Lord. Maybe just look at all of the prayers and the mentions of him praying or requesting prayer in 1st and 2 Thessalonians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. It says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Look at chapter 2, verse 13. Okay. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, and talks about the reception of the word. Look at chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. We'll just read a little bit of that. Chapter 3 and First Thessalonians, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? And goes on to detail more of those. Chapter 5, verse 17. You know this one, right? It says... 517, pray without ceasing. Chapter 5, verse 23. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, that your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's 23, 25. What's Paul say? Pray for us. Pray for us. Okay, Look, if you will, now over to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 3, this is an interesting way. He says that we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Okay, but again, his prayer and his praise and his thanksgiving. Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, to this, end, we also, this, to this end also we pray for you always. And goes on to tell what he prays for them about. Chapter 2, verse 13, okay. but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, Beloved of the Lord, because God has chosen you. That's chapter two, verse thirteen of Second Thessalonians. Look, if you will, at verses sixteen and seventeen of the same chapter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts. Okay, in a report of His prayer, and then the last chapter, chapter three, verse one and two says. Verse 1 of of chapter 3, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly. It goes on in verse 2 to describe that. Verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ, a a prayer for them, and then ends with verse 16, and now may the Lord of peace himself continue to grant you peace in every circumstance. Okay. Simply put, we see and he's praying all over this book for them and gives us really the the content of his prayer he's urging that they pray for him he's telling them that they should pray but he's saying pray for me okay so if you want to tonight know what to pray for the other members of our church know what you could do you could spend time in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and just see what Paul prayed for these believers and you could pray that for others in our church Some need more of one kind of prayer. Some need more of another kind of prayer. But it's all kind of an outline of what we can pray for each other. I hope that's helpful for you. It's just, again, been a little bit of an aha. I know my teachers taught me that. And I, I was probably sleeping that day in class. But Thessalonians is all about how God works through prayer. And that's an encouragement to us. So I would just say this. Consider your pictorial prayer directory. There are 281 individuals or household units in the picture portion of the book. There's about 24 pages and just about 12 on every page. So if you prayed for one page a day, Monday through Saturday, you could pray for just about the entire church family every four weeks. That'd be pretty cool. Every person in our church family you could pray for in four weeks, if you just prayed for one page a day. But the question is, what would you pray for them? you're going to pray for them, but what would you pray for them? What would you pray for each person or each household? Some in the church family you'll know better than others. Some you're just getting to know. Some you may even get to know Friday at a game night, okay? But you're just getting to know some, but others you'll know better. You're in a Bible study with them, you're in a wow group, you minister together in a ministry team, you you know certain people better. But I think 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 12, gives us really a three-point outline that you could use generally or drill down specifically in the people in our church family that you could pray for. As God helps you to get to know others better, you could develop a more specific prayer list for each unit, each family unit in our book. So, you with me? Let me show you what I mean. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 12, which is the whole chapter, I think gives us three general prayer desires for believers. Okay? Paul gives his normal greeting in verse 1 and 2, and then in verses 3, 4, and 5, I think he addresses that they would be growing in God's grace. In fact, he says, I must thank God. I ought to. I ought to thank God because you're growing in God's grace. So the first area that I can be thinking about and praying for church members is the idea of God's grace, that they would grow in God's grace. Are you with me? That's verses 3, 4, and 5. Okay, verse 5, again, then through verse 10, I put in this category that there would be a, a confidence in Christ's return. Okay, now, 5 through 10 talk about the different aspects of Christ. You know, the, you know, we talk about the rapture and then Christ coming back and all these things, and we're not here to talk about all of them tonight, but simply put, I think the topic is what's happened at Thessalonica. Is it, is it a zippy doo doo da day there, as Lee Beebe would always say? It's a zippy do doo da day? Okay, it's not. What kind of day is it there? It's tough, isn't it? Because they came to Christ, and they're experiencing persecution and hardship. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, keep trusting God, because it's going to be worth it one day. In fact, he goes on in chapter 2 to describe more of that. He's simply saying, trust God, don't turn back. It will be worth it one day. And the point, I think, of five through eight is he's saying, hey, listen, when Christ comes back, he's going to set it straight. Those who, those who dealt wrongly with you, those who didn't trust God, who's going to take care of it? Christ will. And he's going to give you reward. And I simply say all that to say the second topic then is a, a confidence in Christ's return. And I think that's five through ten. Okay. The last two verses, 11 and 12, I think the idea there is, and I just summarized it uh, with the, the thought of living out Christ's Lordship. You know, if you look at those verses, in fact, let's just look at them because I, I, I got more to say about this. Wrote a few extra words there. To this end we pray. All right. So here's another topic of prayer. To this end we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. That you'd fulfill every that and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, so that in the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's 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 you know living in light of that you say you're following Christ, so live like it. Okay, and I just simply put living on living out the lordship of Christ appropriately joyfully, powerfully, by God's grace and for his glory. I mean, all those things, I think, are in those verses that, that tell us these things. So I suggest to you that you use these three same topics, these three same areas to think about the people at, at InterCity Baptist Church. As you get to know others better, When you see the evidence of them growing in God's grace, or you get to know somebody and you see the evidence of God's grace, what do you do? Verse 3 tells us what to do. What's verse 3 say we we might want to do, could do, what should we do? Go ahead, you can say it. We what? Ought. We must. We must give thanks to God. If I see Derek Dorn growing in the grace of God, I know Derek is a dirty, rotten sinner. There ain't no way he's going to do anything good except, thank you, Rick, except for what? God's grace. Okay. Why do I know that about him? Because I know that about me. And I am so quick to go my own way. And God knows that. And I'm not just being, I'm mean, not just talking. It's true. Okay. I'm so quick to go my own way. Anything good in my life is because of who? God's grace. Okay. Now, again, I'm not sitting back, putting my feet up, right? I'm active in that. It's not just let go and let God, but the only way I can, God is working in me both to will and to work for his good pleasure, right? So as you get to know others in our church family and you see the evidence of, of them growing in God's grace, what do you do? 1-3, 2-13, both of these verses say that we give thanks to God. And it's not just we might give thanks, but we ought to, we should. We must give thanks to God because it is his work. I don't know if anybody knows this, and I, I don't even know if the person's here and I can look, I look down. It's not the guys in the front row. Somebody and I were fussing at each other about a week ago in the church family. Again, nice guy like me, fussing with somebody. I know it's hard to believe. Fussing. Okay. And you know what's so neat about that situation? We're trying to, you know, de-escalate a little bit. And then that person came back and said, you know, I just want you to know that I'm sorry for what I did. And we kind of kissed and made up a little bit. And they said, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for not even apologizing sooner. You know what I thought in that? That's God's grace, isn't it? Okay, And and that was my words of encouragement. Thanks so much for being a means of God's grace. To me, I needed that. Okay, And, and, And that's what we learn about each other in a family when we see God's grace. And we say, thank you, God. Because left to ourselves, man, we're, we're at each other. Okay. So remember three topics in chapter one of second Thessalonians. Number one, that would be growing in God's grace. So keep your eyes open. What's, what's the word of God say? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we got our antenna up, and we're watching. And when I see the evidence of God's grace, somebody growing in God's grace, I say, "God, thank you." And then, what do I do as well with that? You're just tell me. Hey, you know, I just saw this. Can I tell you, thank you for what God's doing in your life? I saw what you did, and I just want to encourage you with that. Okay? we can do that as a way to encourage one another. So regarding God's grace, we look for it, we praise God for it, we speak of it, and we pray for more of it. We pray for more of it. God, would you please give Randy White more of your grace and help him to grow in your grace? Because faith said he needs it so much. No, I, you know, because you know. Okay? Do you need more grace? I do. Okay? We can pray that for every person in the book. And when you see something in their life, Here's what I'm here's what I'm doing. I'm I'm working on it right now. It's in Apple notes uh, because that's where I was organizing all of my prayer requests. But uh, the way that we did this book, you can actually risk it here. I can actually take pages out. okay, and I can put pages back in. All right. So it's real easy to do it that way. And what I was thinking about doing, I put it in here while I was getting ready. I, I thought about putting a blank page in between each page in my book. So here's Catherine Bork, now there's a blank page, and I could write down things about everybody on this page on here. And you can customize it, make it work for you. Yeah, I got tabs in here, and I got all sorts of stuff. Okay, But my point is this, think about every church member in light of 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 3 through 5, and the need to grow in God's grace. You with me? All right. I said, secondly, it's a confidence in Christ's return. Who might need confidence in Christ's return? Well, we all do. Okay. We all do, but especially people who are facing the pressure of living in this time. Okay. Maybe even somebody getting distracted and pursuing the passing pleasures of this world. Okay. And they've forgotten that there's more to life than just this world. Christ is coming back and we're going to meet him one day. God help this person. To see these things. It says in, in Hebrews three, twelve and 13, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, as you get to know people and you see them growing in their confidence in Christ's return, add that specific to your prayer list. Your prayer list and praise God for it. Okay, you see somebody suffering and and, and you know we just again we talk about uh, well let's talk about Pat Weston. Okay, um, she was ready to meet the Lord, and you know. We wish she could have worshiped with us longer, but man, she was ready to meet the Lord. She had confidence in what God was going to do in her life. And for that, we give great glory to God, don't we? And when somebody's starting to wobble with their knees a little bit, we just got to keep remembering, God, give them give them confidence that Christ is coming back and and he'll make it right. Help them to look forward to that day. Help them to see Christ. Okay, And maybe as you interact, you sense somebody is needing that confidence, give them truth, give them God's word to help them. Again, I I don't know where this shows up for you. I'm just trying to shoot a broad gun, but I think it's in the scripture that we would have a confidence in Christ's return. Don't forget, faith is, is one of the underlying issues in confidence, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So give them God's word and pray that God bears the seeds of that in their life. Okay, and again, that's why I use that blank page, and I just write their name and write these things in. You with me? All right, good. Number three, as you get to know others better, when you see them living out Christ's lordship, they're living appropriately, they're living joyfully, they're living powerfully by God's grace and for God's glory, talk to God about it. Man, God, thank you for the growth. There's a church member that I live by, okay? And, and man, he's been through some trials, and he's a, he's a changing man. He's not changed. None of us have completely changed, but he's a changing man, okay? And I say, God, thank you for him living out joy when it's been really hard, and that's your, that's your grace, Okay. I don't know what it is for you as you get to know people in, in the church, but add these things to your praise and prayer list. Okay, Add them to the, your praise and prayer list. These are things that we can do. Let them know that you're praying for them. Ask them how you can pray for even more things specifically. Okay? So our hope in producing the church pictorial prayer directory is that it helps you get to know each other in our church membership and their families. We hope it helps you get to know them. But even more, we hope that it provides some help for you to pray for everyone in our church family. To help us practice the principle that Paul expresses in 1 Timothy 2.1, where he says, pray for all. I First of all, I urge them that entreats and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. Wouldn't it be really cool this year, to see God do this in our lives, in our church family, and, and, and is the word meld us together? So that with one spirit, with one mind, for the faith of the gospel, we're seeing God do this. I believe prayer is one of the means that God will use to do that. And we can do it because of the grace of God. The grace of God. So let me encourage you, if you haven't picked one up yet, just stop by the information center, let them know you need one. Uh, take us a week. We've distributed a, a couple hundred of these already. So we, we, we might not have them all ready for you, but we'll get them within the week and we'll get it to you. And we want every family who's pictured in here to have one. Make it your own. And if you want more, you can get more. All right? The way we've done it, it's all done in-house and we can update pictures and we can add and subtract. We can do whatever it is to make this a hub of your prayer life here in the church family. And we hope it's, it's a means of God's grace to us.